This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for listening to this awesome podcast. Well, I define it as awesome. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. You were listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. And the longer this show goes on, the more I realize that the name of the show is very confusing. And I apologize. I still get questions to this day. It's like, what, what's 100 Words or Less? I don't really get that. Is that a really short podcast? And I'm like, well, you know, you remember, no, you're too young to remember of the idea that in school you were supposed to write these like really short essays in a hundred words or less. And you know, I, I can't even recall a time where maybe I had to do that. So maybe this was a previous generation. Anyways, I digress, but happy July 4th. Hopefully you are being safe and not blowing off your hand with any sort of half sticks of dynamite or anything like that. Even though I'll be honest, I love doing that, not blowing off my hand, but you know, igniting half sticks of dynamite. And, uh, you know, celebrating the uh, independence and freedom that uh, we have here in the country and also reflect on where we're going as a country, which uh, I know many of you and myself included are, uh, are terrified. And it's it, there, there are so many times where I'm thinking about, man, maybe I need to uh, pull up stakes and uh, go somewhere else that uh, is, is more akin to uh, what I feel like this country should be doing. And uh, I think the biggest thing is a vote this November, okay? That is the the most important thing that you can do. So please do that. But uh, you're not tuning in for, for political opinions, right? You are tuning in for, and tuning in like you're tuning on some dial. I always find that weird when I say that. But you are listening to this show because you want to hear independent discussions about music. Independent discussions? How about dependent discussions on independent music? Wow, I'm just all over the place this morning. But the guest is Niraj Kane from, uh, he play, he's played a ton of bands, Hope Conspiracy, Suicide File. He currently plays in Hesitation Wounds, also played in a band called Beginners, and played in a band called Holy Fever. The dude is a hustler. He just likes creating music. He likes being creative. And uh, people like working with him. And it's awesome. I met him, I think for the first time, it was, it was less than, it was like five, six years ago. But as you'll hear, him and I were supposed to be friends a long time ago because we had many mutual friends being like, you don't know, right? You don't know Naraj yet? Like you need to, you guys are totally like matches made in heaven. So needless to say, we made it happen and we hung out before this as well. So um, yeah, it was a great conversation. But uh, what is also great talk about a transition, right? Great is band merch, right? You probably have some band merch, but you need to go to rockabilia.com and use the code PCJabberJaw to get you 15% off your first order. Rockabilia is the legit place to buy all of your merch, whether it's metal, hardcore, punk, rock, indie rock, whatever it is you care about, they have band merch for you. Whether it's sweatshirts, shirts, hoodies, long sleeves, they, you think it, they got it, okay? They have like 500,000, which I always like to say half a million. That sounds way more impressive. Half a million items for sale over there. And uh, you need to go see. Like they have so much cool stuff. They sent me an NXS t-shirt a while ago and I love it. I wear it very, very often. And I've ordered other stuff from them in the past, like Mastodon shirts. Um, I think I ordered a Rise Against shirt at one point. They're just, they know what they're doing. And I, we, I love their support of this show. So I can't thank them enough for it. PC Jabberjaw, 15% off. If you are sick and tired of hearing me talk about this, that's because you need to order 
a piece of merch. Okay. Just go ahead and do that. And, um, I'm on vacation. Hi, I'm in Hawaii. Yeah, this is rad. I love Hawaii. It's very nice. We stay at a place that's about 20 minutes outside Honolulu, uh, do all the touristy stuff. There's some good vegan spots out here, do some hiking, you know, it's just, it's, it's really fun stuff. So, uh, but I promise I will be releasing an episode next week. That's really good. And, um, yeah, but anyways, Naraj, just, just a great guy and just a great conversation about, politically charged, hardcore life in Chicago. So much great stuff. So here is Naraj and I will talk to you after the episode is over. Okay, please stick around. Don't just like bail the moment that we were saying goodbye because there's always a, you know, some nice nuggets at the end of the show. So here we go. And minor note of context here, you're going to join me and Naraj mid conversation kind of about, uh, the teaching profession and then also the, uh, subculture that is, you know, punk and hardcore, how it's now old and all these people have these different uh, inflection points. So that's to build the context in. So anyways, here's Naraj. now that this subculture is obviously like matured yeah to where you are like you know the the seeds that were planted in the early 80s <clears throat> have now reaped it to where it's like you know we're like responsible adults like doing stuff in the real yeah. world that have experience with the subculture and it reflects back in so many ways where people who are like you know kids that walk in thinking like oh dude i'm cool i know about this thing you're like yeah like yeah. i did that thing too yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> or it's like or I guess it's kind of similar where it's just like, I'm sure like, you know, people that are whatever, you know, 10 ish years older than us who are like, you know, existed in the early eighties punk scene in LA or New York and are like, you know, like, Oh yeah, I was like into like the subhumans and dead Kennedys. And you're kind of like, that's cool. Like I didn't see those guys cause they were, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were not touring by the time that I was born. Exactly. <laughs> but like they try to get that connection. Yeah. It's still, it's very interesting of how that, that works. I mean, so those bands are still relevant to some of these kids, you know? Right. And you look at these generations, like, right. you know, even when some, my bands were active, mm-hmm. it's like, and I consider generations by high school years. Absolutely. Like, so four, four, four. four. four right. <laughs> There's like three generations now. Yep. Since like I was in a band that was actively touring. Right. You know? Uh, and that's crazy. Right. Because when I was these kids' age, like say in high school, yeah. Minor Threat was only like six years away or seven years away. Right. You know? <laughs> which is which just seems such a long time at that time at that point it does. in life. But you're like <laughs> these kids now, it's like fifteen years after the fact. Right, you right. Know, almost twenty years after the fact. Right. You know, of, of my bands, you know. And yep. so that's just mind blowing. Right. <laughs> the the fact that people can still like hold the you know the relevance of bands that you know in your mind you're like like that that's like so in my rear view and not like you weren't proud of it but just like i don't think about it yeah and yeah. then people being like dude hope con yeah and it's like <laughs> really that's like me saying uh uh when i was you know in high school mm-hmm. for me the equivalent if you look at 20 years back you're thinking like 75 like six, 1969, basically. So right. it's like, oh yeah, the Black Sabbath, the first Black Sabbath, whatever, you know. <laughs> right. You know, I'm not schooled on Black Sabbath, but you know, when their right. records would have been out, <laughs> it's so right. crazy. You're, yeah. And, and especially too, because like time, you know, kind of collapses in on itself when 
you are, you know, when you are that age of like, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old and going to shows with people who are like, you know, 19 to 23. And like, normally that age group doesn't like interact because you're just hanging out with people in high school. But then you view those people as like infinitely older than you. Totally. And then you're like, wait a second. Yeah. And then you start playing bands. You start like meeting people outside and you're like on tour. You're like, oh, that dude's like, three years old but he's, i'm in a band with him oh weird you know right yeah. you're like how does any of that yeah yeah it's yeah high school is so it's so interesting now i think with the onset of social media and internet it's a lot easier for kids around these days to stay in touch with the bands of 20 years ago sure or whatever there's those imprints or those footprints are, are there right you know they can pull up whatever and see, oh, this interview from this band, and yada yada yada. Yeah, know? yeah. As long as they're doing the work, the the, the context is there. You, like, and I think that's what because it means so many people like you know the old man get off my lawn stuff. We're just like it's never the same, and it's oh, like yeah, yeah. And I, like I I get that to a certain extent in regards to the context because like you know you can describe where it's just like dude Hellfest '99, like that was a monumental yeah, moment. Yeah. But like, of course, kids can watch like you said footage on YouTube and like get as close as they can to that experience and still have the context for it. But you did, but that's where the work has to go in as opposed to like combing the thank you list. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's where it's like, everything's handed to kids. Sure. You know, and I don't want to sound like the, exactly the old man having this conversation (laughs) about the kids these days, you know, but I think it's a lot easier. Yeah. You know, and, and in a ways it's envious at times where you're like, Oh, these kids have access to so much stuff. Right. But also it's like, for me, the, nostalgia mm-hmm. of like looking through the thank you list of a, of a record and sure. like, oh, I want to check that band out yeah. or buying a record because the t-shirt in the record store looked fucking cool. Yeah. Art you was know? sick. Right. Yeah. Right. When the Cro-Mags record, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> that is awesome. And like coming from an Indian background, yeah. that was a deity that I knew about. And I was like, this is on the cover of a Cro-Mags record. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, sign me up yeah. immediately. And I got the record, and I was like, this is awesome. Right. And then I went back and let's got Age of Coral, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, this is even better. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, I do I, I do love the, uh, the, the thing that I get nostalgic for is, like, the errors you make, where yeah. it's like, you know, like, you buy records, uh, you know, because clearly you couldn't listen to them. You couldn't sample them before. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I, I distinctly remember, and this is, I know like blasphemous being from Southern California where it's just like chorus of disapproval. Couldn't care less about the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't like, so I got firm standing law just because it was like, dude, chorus of disapproval. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, that's yeah. a hard cover. Like I was like straight edge. Like I got to love this. And I remember I got that and, uh, excessive force in your blood at the okay, same time. Okay. And excessive force just slayed chorus in my opinion. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, uh, so I don't like chorus disapproval. Okay. But like, you know, if you get a wrong band on, or if you get a band on a quote unquote wrong record, like, you know, you buy the wrong uniform choice record, you're done. No, no, you're right. You're totally right. That's like, <laughs> oh, what is it? DOIS is fire and ice or whatever. Oh, you're like, oh no, what did I buy? You know? Totally. I think that's happened to me with, that happened with the Descendants. Oh, okay. I got Hallraker. <laughs> that record and i was like oh this isn't bad but then the record that for me was defining is still one of the records that i define my youth with one of the top 10 records i'd say uh-huh. is liveage great great Fucking representation one of the best live records yes of all time totally and it is seared into my memory because that's <laughs> what i know descendants as right then i bought how record i was like eh. uh, <laughs> there's some 
clunkers on this one. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know? You're like, oh, so they, they distilled their set list down to just all killer, yeah. no filler. Yeah. And you're, and yeah. Same they have with the bad brains about quickness. Quickness. But the record was awesome. <laughs> yes. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go back and listen. And then I was like, oh, shit, this is awesome. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it works both ways yeah, where it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. you can make those errors, but then you can make the, oh, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah. oh, I see what yeah. this and is. And that's what happened with Best Wishes. That record's awesome. And I know like some people are like, what? I'm like, no, You're like, incredible. No, yeah. <laughs> and then I go back and Age of Core, I'm like, oh, even better. Oh, this, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't think you could, yeah. uh, you could improve on yeah. this. Yeah. So I was trying, I was trying to reflect on the first time that we actually like interacted and met because we've existed in the same circles yeah. forever. And so I was like, I think really the first time we were interacting was when we uh, were talking with Holy Fever, where it was like we were emailing yes. with one another. Yes. And I, and it like, I mean, I'm sure people said the same thing about myself as the same thing that they said about like, you don't know Naraj? Like you guys would have, you guys should have already been friends. Yeah. I'm like, no, I know. We just haven't. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. It's like, what, you guys, same circles for years. That happens so much. It's so right. many people. Right. That I still asked about. I'm like, I've never met that person. I know I've heard their name for about 10 years now. I've still never met that. Person. Totally. And I want to. Right. You know, but yeah. Yeah. Like the re- the reputation yeah, precedes yeah, yeah. them in a positive yeah, way yeah, where yeah. you're just like, eventually you'll get around it to it. It just hasn't happened. You know? so, right. Yeah. But there, there is that, I mean, to that notion, that's something that is incredibly, um, I guess, comforting where like you can, not have met this person, but like through all of the cosigns and endorses from friends of friends, you're like, like, cause it, there wasn't like, there was like no time whatsoever where you and I just like immediately dove into like, Oh yeah, we already know each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. And I think that only happens with them. I mean, this is my, maybe my ignorance, but I think it only happens in a subculture like ours. I agree. You know, where it's like hardcore punk, you have this connection. You know, my wife is completely removed from that. Right. So she doesn't, she's not involved in that. But she she gets it. But she's like, you know, she kind of always gives me this look where it's like, all right, I get it. You hardcore dudes, and you're you know, you've yeah. seen whatever. You guys know everybody, you know, right? Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, she sees that. Oh yeah, wow. You know, yeah, I have friends in Europe. I have friends in here. You know, and everyone's like, how? You know, and even people who aren't who are in my circles who aren't part of that scene, right? You know, are just like, how do you? You know, yeah. how do you know all these people? You know, and so I'm like, some of them I don't, I've never met in person, but no. I can know I can go, or even people that you don't talk to on a regular. Yep, you can meet, see them five years later and pick up right where you left off immediately. You know, immediately, it's not, it's not a deal, <laughs> right? You know, but you might not be so always in contact where you're like, oh hey, what's up, dude? Yeah, yeah, what's yeah. Going on? Let's, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you spend like three minutes catching up, and then you're just like, like yeah, hanging out. Let's go. Yeah, right. I'm gonna go watch quicksand right now. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I do think yeah that that notion, especially of the, um, you know, getting into like whatever you go to a random city where you don't know anybody. And, but someone is like, oh yeah, t- like meet my friend here eat at this good yeah. vegan place, this record store, yeah. whatever. And then you immediately are just like injected into that person's experience, that scene. And you're, it's just like, that's not normal. It, it's not normal because my wife and I started taking like actual vacations. Right. I'd never been on vacation vacation. I was always on, with a band. <laughs> yeah. You, you were know? on tour, which is not uh, a vacation. <laughs> and so we went vacation and I think right now we, we just got back about a month and a half ago from Portugal in Morocco. And I went just as a tourist with my wife, and <laughs> it was awesome because sure. we stayed at fucking killer hotels. Sure. But then you're still like, oh, do I know anybody here? Hmm. Yeah. Did I, is someone promoter here? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Your mind it, always it goes mind there. Your mind always goes there. Right. I'm just like, 
all right, dude, you're an adult. You're actually enjoying a nice vacation. Right. You don't have to know anybody. Yeah. You know, but it felt weird because at night, my wife and I would go out to dinner or just like go, go out about, about the town. Sure. And you're just like, all right, well, there's a vegan place over here. This gelato <laughs> place is a vegan option. I'm still doing that. My wife is so awesome and just right. humoring me about it. <laughs> right. You know, because she's not vegetarian, you know, vegan. But she's sure. so cool with it, just being like, yeah, let's look at, let's, hey, there's a vegetarian place here. It's veg- so she helps me with that. So Right, right. Uh, but yeah, you still revert back to the, where do the kids hang out? Right. You know? <laughs> like, dude, you're not a kid anymore, man. I'm 40 years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. Oh, you're all, you know, once a hardcore punk kid, you're like, yeah, you're yeah. always going to view yourself as that. Even yeah. as you get, I just, I, I always, uh, you know, reflect on just, like the, the description of just like, I just feel like a kid making adult-like decisions. Yeah. Um, I just had my birthday and I'm just like, God, man, I am technically old, right? you know, but, um, you don't see yourself that way No, And it, I think it's because of the subculture we come from. Mm-hmm. We have that privilege, uh, of, of looking at, of looking at ourselves in a different way Yeah, you know, that many people might have, you know, mid- a midlife crisis. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've definitely had a midlife crisis. Well, of course. Yeah. You always have your, yeah, your yeah, yeah, peaks yeah. and valleys. Yeah. But, uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I feel like I'm really lucky mm. to have experienced the stuff I've experienced, you know. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're like, God, my life, you know, I'm right. in my 40s. It, I'm just so disorganized. What, what am I doing? You know, I sure. still don't have a, a career that I really love, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all there's all those things. But, yeah, yeah. there's definitely the, the positive side of that, too, where it's just like, yeah, you always feel <clears throat> connected to youth and not like in a – high school football player exactly i'm talking about my you know my yeah, yeah. my game winning touchdown yeah, for yeah, yeah. 40 years after it yeah. happened it's i like, mean there are people like that there are and i always try to check myself where i was like i don't want to be the well back in the day you know we did this and did yeah, that, yeah yeah you know? and that happens with every generation no it does what. like i'm sure like when my, when my bands or when i started playing in in hardcore bands the generation above me was like, who are these bands? Yeah. You know, like, they, don't s- they don't sound like what we did back in the day. <laughs> no, and it's I, not terrible. I've been guilty of that with with current stuff, you know? Where it's of like, course. But then you got to check yourself and be like, you know what? You might not connect to it because of the context, mm-hmm. you know? But you know that there's a kid, high school kid or a kid in their 20s, whatever, connecting to this music like you connected to some, right. something else, you know? And you got to give those kids props, the bands, for doing what they're doing still, Yep, you know? And then the kids for doing what they're doing still. Totally. Because you know? um, it's not for, it's at, at that point, I just always, like you said, you check yourself. And I think the the statement that I always go back to where it's just like, oh, that's not, that, like, that's not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. meant for me. Like, and not from like, it's not meant for me. It's like below me. No, no, exactly. But, exactly. It's like, it sucks to say, and it's really hard for me to grapple with. Sure. But it's a fact like, I want to go to a show and like someone's garage and just see that band fucking slay yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. in front of nobody you know in front of like 12 people but they played their hearts out totally know? i can't i just can't do that I, right i mean you've already had I, plenty I, of I, those I experiences those experiences where it's like now i feel like it's time for those younger kids to really feel that you know? mm-hmm. i mean i could go there but it's not gonna be the same experience for me no no i'll feel a little bit removed you know when I, the kid who's just like going through those angsty times in high school and right you know just not trying to be able to find themselves and where they belong and what group do they belong in. And just the deals like dealing with adolescents. Sure. Know? And the kids are in, when I say adolescents for hardcore kids, you're talking about up till 25, 25 26. Yeah. yeah. Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're just like, I don't know where I belong. I'm into this politics. I'm blah, 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 vegan straight edge. I'm whatever, yeah. you know, it's like, there's a lot of soul searching going on. There, Absolutely. You know? And, uh, it's definitely a, a, a contextual, thing for, for mm-hmm. you know someone who's my age or your age yeah, yeah so, no absolutely um, 
Were you now kind of reflecting on you yourself? Mm-hmm. Were you uh, were you born and raised in Chicago, or where did you come up? I was actually born in Detroit, Michigan. Okay, uh, on on Ten Mile Road. So okay. if you know Eight Mile, yeah, two miles away. Yeah, right. Taylor, Michigan. Uh, I was born there. Um, my parents lived there for about a, a year. My father was an architect. Okay, and couldn't really find work in Detroit. Had they moved over from India? Like, yeah, are you yeah. first? So my family uh, is all from India. Okay. Like my extended family, everybody, and my parents were the first of the families to emigrate immigrate to the United States. So you're first generation, first Ameri- generation American. Yeah. Got it. My father came here in '71 or '70, and my okay. mom came in '72. Got it. Um, and so we were in Detroit, lived there for about a year. Dad was looking for a job. Then uh, we moved to Gary, Indiana. Okay. For about a year and a half. Got it. And that was an experience. Gary, know. Indiana's that yeah. yeah that. Car got stolen. Brand new car got stolen, but they found it, you know, again. So we, you know, the pollution was so bad that um, cars would rust like in like six, seven months because of the steel mills. During right. the steel mill, boom. Or it was not the boom anymore. It was the downfall. It was the downfall, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we were there for about a year. Uh, and then finally my parent, my dad found a job in Chicago. Okay. And so we settled in Chicago in like 80 and... You know, been there, been there ever since. Yeah. You and what was it, brothers and sisters? What was the family? No brothers and sisters, just only child. Only child. Yeah. So growing up is me, my parents, and uh, my extended family was in India. Right. So I didn't have grandparents, and at that time, communication you couldn't you didn't have email. You couldn't Skype. Yeah, yeah you couldn't <laughs> Skype. Even phone call was a, was a luxury. You know. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to send a letter, it took about a month and a half to reach india damn um so that's how my parents communicate my parents are really cut off from my extended family which is really tough at times but in the summers we'd always try to get someone from india over in the summer so we could spend time with them or i would go to india like every two to three years we'd go to india and spend i'd spend the summer there okay so i wouldn't be disconnected from my extended family which is really amazing my parents are able to do that because I still have a very, very close relationship with a lot of my family in India. Yeah, and when it when it could have been completely could have been just completely cut off. Cut off, yeah, yeah. Um, but then we settled in Chicago, and because I was the only child, I looked outward to find that sort of like friendships and stuff. So immediately, I became someone who was more. Um, I wasn't introverted. Mm-hmm. I was definitely like more focused on, on going out and playing or playing soccer or riding bikes, you know, and stuff like that. Right. Spent a lot of time out, outdoors with friends, with friends within our, our neighborhood, you know. Yeah. And most of them, you know, white, you know. Sure. No one like me, you know. And then um, going to high school and going to school, you know, in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I was maybe one of two Indian kids in this predominantly white neighborhood. Sure. You know, or white school. And it's the neighborhood we grew up in was like, you know, probably middle class neighborhood outside, like about... 30 miles outside of Chicago. Okay. Um, it's a suburb. And uh, it was actually a pretty great upbringing. You know, it's nothing, That's cool. Yeah, and my, my parents were awesome. They're really liberal with me in the sense of a lot of... See, I had two sets of friends. I had my white friends from sure. my school and stuff in, my, in the neighborhood I lived in. And then I had Indian friends who were like friends of our family. Of course. Plus, I had kids the same age. They had the same... Uh, the parents had the same experience growing up on the sure. of the United States, so they all bonded over their immigrant experience. And uh, we, uh, so those are my friends too, and uh, we all grew up together. But it was very different because it's two different communities, two yeah, different yeah. communities. Yeah, I was basically always uh, juggling two different communities, mm-hmm. and that was that became a challenge for me later on in my adolescence. Um, but up till there, it's like our birthdays, some, or we celebrated together, our family parties, you know, we'd celebrate Indian holidays together, mm-hmm. you know. 
so those kids kind of became a surrogate family in a weird way, you know? Right. Um, but they all were under the Indian expectations. Sure. Does that make sense? Where their parents were doctors, of dentists, course. engineers. The pra- like actual quote-unquote trades. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and my family, my father was an artist. He was an architect. My mom has a you know botany degree, and she had to work at an insurance company just to make because we weren't we weren't wealthy. Right, and all my those friends were extremely wealthy, and not extremely, but very well off. Yeah, yeah, know, they didn't have to work comfortably but, middle class. Yeah, right. yeah, um, and they had big houses and stuff. And my family, we I grew up in a townhome. Sure, you know? and then my parents finally bought their single single family home, and it was the size of a townhome. It just didn't have yeah, no attached walls. No attached right, walls. right, right. Um, so it was very, and I never, you know, being only a child, it's like, you got only child syndrome. It's like, I never had, I had to work. I had never, parents didn't buy me a car at 16 and you know, I didn't have any of that, you know? So I really had to find a job because I really got, you know, into skateboarding, which mm-hmm. changed my life. But like, um, you know, I really had to live kind of a middle, lower middle class, I'd say middle class life. My parents struggled at times, you know. Sure, My sure. dad wasn't in a, didn't have a job, and he would have to, like, work at Nordstrom's, you know, like a retail job. Sure. Just in between, you know. Yeah, and yeah. And none of my other friends who were from the Indian community ever had to do that. Like, no. Their parents were, like, doctors, engineers. They never had to work a job like that. And seeing my father have to do that, in retrospect, it makes me pretty pretty emotional in the sense of like god my dad really had to fucking do that yeah he was he was hustling right to to make ends meet he just didn't know how to do it right right so everyone's because everyone at the time was like oh your father's an architect that's so cool and as Mm -hmm. it had this like prestige about it sure people didn't realize that architects made shit money unless you're like some like yeah you worked for some huge firm or whatever and you're like yeah 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 Yeah, um, the freelance architect like that's yeah yeah, that's not that's not easy Uh -uh. so you know, regardless, you know, we made it, you know, we made it through. It was comfortable. It wasn't, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say that we were like groveling on welfare or anything like that, but you know, right. Like, um, but then, uh, yeah, I stayed in, you know, Chicago is where I grew up to this town of Schaumburg, Illinois. Sure. And, uh, was that, did everyone just completely mispronounce your name for the longest time? Oh yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Nourish. Yeah, nir- yeah. It was like waiting for it. It was just like, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. And actually my last name is, everyone says Kane, but my last name is Kane. Oh, and, okay. Uh, but my father just never corrected anybody because it was such a nightmare, you know? Sure. And, and I was like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, and my first name is Niraj, but actually it's pronounced Niraj. Yeah, and yeah. so like and this is this is gonna be news to anybody who's listening to this. <laughs> I love this. I love this. <laughs> uh, so my wife is like, "Why do you have everyone call you Naraj all the time?" I'm like, "That's just the way that I've yeah, had that... it for so many years because I just didn't correct people." Yeah, that... that'd be amazing. Like right now, you're making a hard line. You're just like, yeah, "All right, yeah, as now, of this day, yeah, 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 yeah. you're calling me this." Uh, well, I mean, that happened to. Uh, he's gonna kill me if I say this, but uh, you know, band race trader. Yeah, of course. So I'm really close to those guys. We grew up in the scene together, right? Yep. So Money, singer from Racer, everyone knew him as Manny. For Manny, a long time, yeah, yeah. Right, Manny from Racer. Manny. He's like, no, my name is Money. Money. Yeah, and I was like, wait, what? You know? <laughs> uh, and, at the, and at that time, I felt like amazing. I could come out right now. I could come out right now. You right. know, follow his lead. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah that's but like the guys from like who are close, like the guys from Hope Con and stuff, and Suicide Fall, they all know my real name. You know? So right, like, right, right. But it's it's funny. Uh, <laughs> That I go by, you know, so I do. I do go by Naraj Kane, yeah, because that's just the name I've had f- since you know growing up in school. Everyone called me that, so I just right. left it. And we still don't correct people on Kane; it's just Kane. Yeah. But my wife now that we got married, uh, she's like, I don't want to use Kane. I want it your pro- the proper pronunciation. So what my wife and I did. This might be a little side 
caveat. It's but, fine. Uh, uh, her, she didn't want anything to do with her last name. Okay. Uh, which is Corman, so she got rid of that. And we used her middle name, Namaka. Okay. She was raised in Hawaii. Okay. That's a Hawaiian, uh, her middle name is Hawaiian. And so we, com- we connected or combined Namaka and Kane because Kane in Hawaiian means man. Oh. <laughs> right? And Bro. so Namaka means the uh, uh, eyes, right? So Namaka Kane, the eyes of man. The eyes of man. And yeah. so now, like legally, her name is Haley Namaka Kane, and my name is Niraj Namaka Kane. Oh. So we did that. So I decided to take but, her name uh, too because. It's a good nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm Respect. A yeah, I right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get this, <laughs> yeah, I get yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah, we're so married. Equal, equal, I'm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's our, that's, that's how the, the name it has been a lot of, yeah. So. Growing up, I had to deal with a lot of the name stuff. Sure, so, sure. But I mean, but it, it, it's cool of your experience of, um, you know, not not feeling. I mean, noticing you're like, yes, clearly, I am the only you know Indian minority yeah, yeah, in yeah. in your ecosystem. But that it wasn't, um, you know, oppressive in ways where it's just like, oh yeah, like leave that kid in the corner. Like, yeah, don't yeah talk no, to him. no, not at all. Which is um, right. Yeah, I mean, growing up is pretty good. I didn't really. I think I experienced more racism. I would say, like outright, when I was. a kid in elementary sure. school yeah more so than anything because kids, kids don't know what to do no, with that and that was from older kids oh, oh yeah, okay yeah, like yeah kids that, kids. that yeah, obviously been, should know better yeah right? should know better you know they just like pick on you and there was times where i struggled with that like i know in day camp i remember mm-hmm. um I these kids who just call me out constantly and just like you know where i'd i'd, I'd go home i'd run away yeah. i'd run away from the day camp like sure and I'd walk like two miles just to go home it's like 10 year old kid who just doesn't want to be there and my parents would get a phone call like what where is he at you yeah know? Like, oh he's home yeah i'm yeah. like i just can't deal with this shit you know it was like it got pretty bad at times you know and then there's no one i could talk to about it sure you know it's just my parents did they got it but they're just like we're there's yeah what so can we do? do yeah you know we're gonna I'd, call these parents we'd yeah. go to like summer school they'd you know they'd go for my freshman year it was, it, it was kind of bad too and then my parents would have to go to the principal and be like yo this is this shit's happening you guys don't you know it was like well we talked to the kid talked to his parents whatever you know yeah it wasn't until that fresh and it was that happened in Murray spring it was a summer before I became a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. I was already into skating and stuff a little bit, got into punk a little bit. Right. And uh, these, I remember there were like these like BMX kids are just like, yeah, fucking blah, blah, blah. And just pretty out, like, not, I think they were like kind of wannabe, like, skater. Not even skater, they were wannabe like BMX BMXers, guys, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they were like really, but they were more like the surf bros, even though we don't have surfing in but California. Yeah, yeah, still. <laughs> Uh, I mean, in Chicago. Right. Um, but they were really brutal at times, you know, to the yeah. point where I had no one to defend me, you know. So I was sure. like, fuck. It wasn't until freshman year where I became friends with all the skinheads and the punks who were just like, all right, talk shit, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, those we guys, got his back. And then all my all the guys I was with, all the people I was hanging out with had my back. Yeah. You know, including, like, skinheads were just like, we're going to fuck these dudes up if they do, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that brought me into this, like, subculture that was just, like, I found my tribe in a way. You yeah. Know? It's like, even though they're so different than my Indian upbringing, mm-hmm. this is where I belong. You know? Yeah. And skateboarding was definitely the fucking thing that got me into it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will it's credit the key skate- that unlocks yeah. it. Right. I will credit skateboarding more than anything, in, you know, for me to get into the punk and hardcore and sure. all that stuff. That's incredible. And what the, uh, the was, were you like raised vegetarian and what was the kind of like religious, uh, component of your, be, you being raised? Um, so my family is actually Brahmin. Okay. Uh, if you look at the caste system in India, cause Brahmin, uh, the highest class, the priestly priests usually. Okay. And then you got merchant warrior and then the untouchables or whatever, you know, that okay. sense, you know, so the caste system is obviously stupid and ridiculous, but, <laughs> right. um, 
it's an ancient system. It's been there for thousands, of, you know, a thousand years, if not more. Yep. And uh, my parents, in, when they left India, it was still pretty observed. Pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like my parents are both Brahmins. They marry each other. Sure. You, know, you do, you like, do you not move and move up and down. Nope. You know, my what? My mom's cousin married someone from a lower caste, and her parents almost disowned her. Wow. You know, and she ran off with this guy. You know, and also because it was a not planned marriage. Sure. Know, my parents knew each other for eight days before they got married. Right. You know, um, so it was like you could call it an arranged marriage. I mean, my both my parents had the option to say no. Sure. You know, like, but that's just how it was done. You yeah. Know? And. So they, so we were, I grew up Brahmin, but my parents are both very liberal. Yeah, I was going to say. Orthodox. And so they wanted me to fit in as much as possible and sure. not have to be like, oh, his kid can't eat meat because of so-and-so, you know? Right. Here's the uh, sacred cow. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So <clears throat> I ate everything. Like, sure. And my dad's a f- kind of a foodie, so he <laughs> loved eating everything. I mean, this is this story I'll never forget. My mom, my... <laughs> It was my mom's first, like, day uh-huh. in the United States. And my dad had already been here for, like, nine months or to a year. And he was like, I'm going to take you to a traditional American, like, meal. And it was a hamburger, uh-huh. fries, and a shake. Oh, that's, my yeah. mom had never eaten meat in her life. Oh, my gosh. Right? And a beef. In that, or, right, you know, right. She ate it and just threw up. And my mom's like, <laughs> mom's like, I will never forget that day. I thought, yeah. what have I walked into with this guy, you know? Totally. Um, just poisoned myself. Yeah. And then my parents, so I grew up, like, eating meat. My parents would barbecue. And Got it. a lot of our Indian friends um, were also not strict about it. Sure. So when I was in school, I was able to, you know, eat with my friends, hot dogs and hamburgers and tacos and all that stuff. And sure. It was, it was awesome. So. Right. Um. In that regards, my fa- and my family was religious, but not religious. Right, not oppressively, yeah, not, not oppressively. like, this is what yeah, you have yeah. to do. And, and Hinduism is, in its, I, my parents are Hindus, mm-hmm. so Hinduism in and of itself isn't a very restrictive no. philosophy. You know? right. It's more of a philosophy than it is a religion. You know, Western, Western civilization puts it in as a religion. Religion, and sure. You see it in religion courses or uh, history, you know, but... Technically, Hinduism, Buddhism is a is a philosophy. Yeah, you, know, you can be a, uh, you can be uh, someone who follows Judaism and also follow Hinduism or Buddhism. You know, sure. There's not the well. If you're a Christian, the exclusivity, you believe, yeah, exclusivity right? You know, if right. you accept Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. <laughs> right, right, you right. Uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, is just it's like a philosophy. It's a yeah, life, just the chill, way, man. Way that, right. way that you live your life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I never had any sort of like. This you know, is what you were doing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But my yeah, yeah. because I was a Brahmin, my family it's kind of like a bat mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where in your tenure you have a, what's called a thread ceremony, and only Brahmins have that. Okay, because it, it's kind of like historically in ancient times is when um, the ch- the son now goes off to his guru, which okay. is a teacher for like ten years. Okay, and lives with the guru, and then comes back, and usually is trained in all the scriptures and all that stuff in, in ancient times. You know, sure. But now it's seen you know, as like a kind of a rite of passage, like kind of, you know, you're, you're now, right. You're, you're now, now you're yeah, growing yeah, yeah, up and yeah. doing this. Okay, got it. So my parents did do that in India. Okay. For me. For you. Ten, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, but then overall, they weren't too impressive. Yeah, that you need to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so like you mentioned, you know, skateboarding was kind of your 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 segue into getting exposed to independent culture and subculture and like, you know, in high school and yeah. that. Um, and so you, as you started to navigate that, kind of how you were talking about how you lived in these these different communities, and then now you had this third community kind of coming into play. Yeah. Was it, uh, you know, did your parents react? Like, I mean, like you said, they were liberal, and I'm sure they were like, oh, I'm glad Naraj has found, like, somewhat cool people to hang out with. I mean, not cool, but, like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like, 
we, we, tr- we kind of trust this yeah. happening. Was that a, a, another kind of challenge you for you to kind of figure out which one exactly you fit in? Or was it like, yo, the other communities are less important now? Um, as I got older, I started drifting away from the Indian community. Sure. Um, just because the expectations started really getting to me. Sure. You know? um, I didn't want to be, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, I got into skateboarding and I thought, this is awesome. And then I got into a hangout like, all the, the, you know, the breakfast club kids, if you will. You know what I'm saying? The, the totally. misfits. Yep. Everybody, you know? Um, Metalheads, the punks, skins, sure. the... Anybody's into weird yeah, stuff, the go new over wave, there. Everyone's into <laughs> yeah. the new wave, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. And we're all together, you know? Sure. Um, and they kind of, like, I just gravitated towards that more because we are like, into music, we were different. I always sure. wanted to be different because I knew all the Indian kids... We're going to become engineers, doctors, go to the best universities, you know, really right. study. And I was an awful student in high school, which is unheard of for an Indian kid. Sure. You know, my parents were so upset. You sure. Know? <laughs> You're like, why? Everybody else yeah, isn't yeah. experiencing this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tested well. I was in like, you know, all the whatever classes, you know, advanced sure. classes, but I just didn't get, I just didn't care. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm not applying myself. Yeah, I didn't yeah, do yeah. my homework. I didn't do anything. And everyone's <laughs> like, why are you here? You know, yeah. and all these like other kids I remember within the classes were all this like, they were like these smart kids, right? Right. And, you, and I, they're like, why are you in here? Yeah. And I, was I always, tested well. And right? I was always the one who get like a C. Yeah. You know, I'd barely pass. Right. You know, and I was like, I, I was just skateboarding. Sure. Going to shows. Your priorities started, yeah, were different. I started going, once I started going to shows, I was like, this is, this is different. You know, right. Seeing like punk bands and hardcore bands and really getting involved in that scene. Mm-hmm. Nothing else really mattered. Totally. You you, it, it, it consumes you. Cause I, I think a lot, I mean, why, I, I mean, I think why so many people identify with your statement is just the fact that it's like once you get exposed to this this world that exists, you know, in, sort of in secret, in parallel to how everything else that's happening, and you're just like, dude, all the answers are over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, not only politically, philosophically, like musically, we're gonna set the world on fire. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we set the world on fire, like you know, from the the bottom up, as yeah, opposed yeah. to like we want to be pop stars. But like, no. Yeah. I mean, it was. Uh... <laughs> It was really interesting because those kids, you know, I don't, I talked to one guy from that. He's one of my oldest, oldest friends. Sure. And we were both like gotten hardcore skateboarding together, you know, and we still talk. He lives in, he's still in Chicago. Um, but it was the, it was the thing that really got me going. Sure. Um, into experiencing how to play music. You yeah. Know, I had taken guitar lessons when I was 10, and the instructor told my parents, like, you guys are wasting your money. Yeah, this kid's you know because he just doesn't <laughs> practice, you know. And I totally. didn't practice, you know. I just wanted to go play soccer, or I'll, I'll go skateboard, you know, whatever, yeah, ride right. bikes. Because you you're know? getting scales, and you're like, what is? Yeah, this? I didn't want to learn this land is your land or <laughs> green sleeves, you know, whatever that. I don't even know if that's the name of the song, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, this is stupid. It sucks, yeah. You know, and I also didn't know what music I wanted to play because I wasn't really into music at ten. Right. Know, I grew up listening to my fan the music that was in my household when growing up was Indian classical music mm-hmm. or country music. Sure. And my parents identified with country music because it's told told a story like Indian music. So sure. I grew up with that and I loved it. Like Right. Here's you know, a narrative and here's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, here's yeah. narrative. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's really odd because people are like, you grew up with country music and Indian classical music? <laughs> and so they still are big influences on me. Totally. And I like country music. And people are like, I'm not like the Kenny Chesney stuff. Like right, that, right. Not, but, not know, pop yeah. country. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, I think it's still valid i think it's a really good form of storytelling sure and, and just a very heartfelt genuine 
music yeah. style. And Indian classical music was the same way, you know. Right. It was like you're really a master of your craft. Sure. Thing, you know? Applying the same yeah, principles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but I wasn't into music. Sure. I mean, I wasn't in, I never thought that I'd want to be a musician, you know. Right, Parents yeah. Parents took me to and, uh, um, various musical endeavors, and I just never... Yeah, know, never glommed yeah, on never to you. Yeah, never glommed on me. And so, yeah. Oh, I'm very excited to tell you about the sound of vinyl. It's no surprise that vinyl is a huge part of my life and many other people's because it sounds incredible, looks great, and it's fun to collect. The only problem is, is there's so much out there, but that is where the Sound of Vinyl comes in. Their mission is to help you build the perfect collection. They got a website where you can shop over 20,000 titles and an amazing recommendation service that can learn about your personal taste and offer personalized suggestions of records that you'll love. It works over text message. It's super simple. They'll text you an offer for an album, and if you want to buy it, all you have to do is reply yes. You can even text back to chat with a real live human who can help you find the perfect record. Plus, they got collectible, limited edition colored vinyl that you won't find anywhere else from artists like Weezer, Beach Boys, John Coltrane, Aerosmith, R.E.M., Kiss, and so much more. Plus, there are no subscription fees and no commitments. Give it a try. Go to soundofvinyl.com slash words and sign up for the tech service to get $5 off your first record. Again, that is soundofvinyl.com slash words for 5 bucks off your first record. I cannot tell you how cool this service is. I bought multiple records from there. I got the Smashing Pumpkin Siamese Dream reissue on Double LP. It's beautiful. I got the Killers Hot Fuss record. Basically, this is the perfect service for people who are just starting their collection or people like myself who have over a thousand copies. Well, not a thousand copies, but a thousand pieces of vinyl. And I'm trying to fill some holes. So soundofvinyl.com slash words. I love this service and so will you. Okay, now on with the show. The, um, and so then, you know, as you start to go to shows and start to experience that, that, you know, the visceral culture, two things about the Chicago scene that always, always really, um, was inspiring in many ways. I mean, every scene kind of had its own facets of like different sounding bands and stuff. So Chicago wasn't unique from that perspective, but it always seemed like bands uh, from that area were always, uh, very politically charged. Yeah. Like, like there was always, um, and, and granted, yes, of course you can argue that because of the city and what it was yeah. and what it is, it's going to seep in, in yeah, every yeah. facet. Yeah. But I just always was like, wow, like Chicago is always like even bands, whatever. It's like, you know, Alkaline Trio bands that are like, you know, you can't really point to as being like, oh, they're like, they're a political band. It's just yeah. like, there's undercurrents yeah, in undercurrents, there. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, when did that, I, I guess, when did that kind of wash over you that you were in the middle of this and being like, oh, wow, like there is a lot of radical politics that are being discussed. I mean, when I got to Boston, a lot, I think a lot of people, especially within the suicide file camp, which yeah. is, which is ironic, uh, would laugh, it would just be like, Oh yeah, you're, you know, straight edge is political. Cause I was on the, <laughs> this is really stupid, but, uh, one of my first bands was called extinction. Yes. And on the back there was a, well, someone did a, uh, I think Kurt had done a, Kurt from uh, catalyst had done a shirt and on the back, it was like me playing guitar, and it says "Straight Edge is political." Oh, so all yeah, the guys yeah. in Boston would just be like, "Yo, dude, Straight Edge is political." I'm just like, "Shut <laughs> up, like, shut up, bro, shut up." <laughs> ah, that's so amazing. <laughs> and they still like still they're you know they're sure like, Straight Edge political. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it was p- political. Totally. You know, I grew up. It wasn't about like fucking beating the shit out of the dude next to you, or like you right. know who's like posture male posturing, yeah, alpha male posturing. You know, mm-hmm. it was about politics. Totally. You know, um, removing yourself from a system. I'd, I'd say even early on, like listening to cr- the Chromags, you know, those songs are political. Absolutely. You know, it's like, um, I mean, d- the delivery is in a different way, you know, right. but it's like, um, but 
just uh, not and realizing that Chicago was political is really interesting. I don't know how yeah. it got to that where every band I did had political leanings. Absolutely, also because of um, I think that's just what I thought hardcore punk was. That's true. Like you know? it, it's the kind of like it, they they have to be connected. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that you could be a punk band, hardcore band, and not have a message. That's true. That, like that's that was just me, and I could be ignorant in that side, and I could, you know I just didn't realize that you know. Yeah. And then you listen to Screeching Weasel, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can. <laughs> And totally. I love Screeching Weasel. They're like one of the first Absolutely. bands I was into, you know? Totally. But they're just thinking about like being punk and being happy and yeah, you know, skateboarding, skateboard, right. whatever, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, the bands that really like hit me hard, right. where I was like, fuck, you know, they were political. Yeah, they, they tied had those to things. Say, you know, that's what I'm saying. Because I always grew up, I think, from a, I had this politics and history interest the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. the only class I did well in was history. Right, because you cared. You know? Right. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, and it was easy for me mm-hmm. because I was always trying to be up and up on what was going on, you know? Um, so with hardcore and punk being political, it was just something that naturally happened. Right. But also I think another thing within our, within our scene in Chicago was that we had kids from all different economic backgrounds mm-hmm. and all different, um, which is weird now reflecting back. We had a lot of kids from different ethnic backgrounds. Too, totally. Right. You know, which was rare anywhere else in, in the, I mean, for me, anywhere yeah. else, you know, um, you know, the guys, a couple of the guys in race are, are Iranian, you know, it's true. And I'm Indian. We had, you know, African-American kids. We have, it was just like, you know, um, it was more of a mix than I, than I thought, you know, yeah, that's looking, true. But looking back on it, I'm like, Oh, that's a mix. Yeah. You know, but, but uh, back then, I thought no. There's, yeah, I still felt like an outsider. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, um, that <laughs> that make that does make sense yeah. when you're having all of these these reflective experiences being able to be, kind of be poured into one scene. Yeah. It's like the, you're gonna have that yeah. that edge to it in ways that, like, you know, I mean, it's like I, I like I so distinctly remember. It's like you know, once Race Trader started to come out here, and it was just like you know. The, there could not be a more divisive record title than, you know, Burn the Idol of the, the White, White Messiah. Messiah yeah. And I was just like, I, that, that like legit made me question my whiteness. I was just, yeah. I was like, fuck, like, should I like this band? Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. I, I know that was like, there was, that, that, that was, was the thing. That know? was the thing. And I still, you know, I, they, <laughs> I, yeah, they're exactly the, the process that they went about it. I'm not, I wasn't a fan of, you know, but still, it, but still, it's it like served they, that they, point. They, they brought up that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And back then, I don't think, um, anyways, yeah. But no, yeah, yeah. Your, yeah. your, your point is taken as far as the, everybody just kind of being mixed in there. And then plus yeah. you're adding the, um, you know, the diversity of the city and everything like and, that. But, but it's diversity, but it's also extremely segregated. That's true. That was one of the most segregated cities in the United States. That's true. That's so true. There was all these, a lot of it was economics, mm-hmm. you know, where that would come into a lot of the, um, you know, how can people of privilege, right. like with many of us, many of the people in the scene were, sure. some, you know, how could they figure out that they can recognize their privilege? Right. You know? They'll be like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, getting more socially active, whatever it was. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being able to contribute yeah. like that. And so, you know, the, uh, like you mentioned, you, you played an extinction extinction. And then, um, you know, what I find interesting about your, you know, your musical journey, it's the fact that like, you know, you you played in Hope Con and Suicide File and like both of those bands, like they're, um, you know, they're like, there was work obviously put into it. Like, you know, you toured, like you were an active band. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like, I, I, so especially from, um, well, me, I knew from a suicide file perspective, just because I was very friendly with Dave and watching yeah. him grow as a musician. But then like when Hopecom came out here, I think I saw you guys, uh, with every time I die at the showcase theater. Okay. And it was one of those things where it was just like, 
the palpable excitement over a four song demo was just like, it was, it was there and it was just like, Oh my gosh. But like the, you know, at that time, you know, bands didn't really recognize, like you were just excited that like 10 people were singing along or whatever. Totally. And and same thing can be said about suicide files. So like, as those things were kind of, you know, starting to rise to prominence, like how did that, you know, like, I, I know it's exciting, but like, how did it make you feel? Like, was it interesting or was it scary or, um, like Hopecom was the first band I did that was on a, on a national scale, right? Totally. Extinction was local. You know, we did records and it was cool, you right. know, but it was one of my first bands. You know, right. So it was a huge, lot of learning going on. Totally. You know? Um, a lot of bad songs, you know, lot of, sure, you know but of just course. Like, it's your growing pains, you know, at the time you're like, Oh fuck, I just, rec- it's my first recording. This thing sounds great. You know? Yeah. Here's my seven inch. Um, right. You know, and I did a band before that too, which is, uh, you know, but you go through that, you go through those, that growing pains. And then when, I got asked to do Hope Conspiracy was after Harvest had break, broken up that band Harvest. Right. And uh, they were starting a new band. I was like, sure, I'll, I'll think about it. And then I decided to do it. Um, and it was a change, mm-hmm. like, in a way, because it was like, we're doing this for real. Like, right. You know, we're going to do this as a full-time touring band, blah, 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 you know. And at that point, my notion of touring in bands was like, oh, you'll see a band in the summer, because that's when we have off from school. school exactly. From college or whatever. Totally. You know? Unbroken came out in the summer. You know, like Endpoint <laughs> right. would always tour around their their school schedules, you know? Right. And those are the bands I went to go, grew up watching, you know? So it's like, to me, it was just like, oh, you do a tour. And this whole concept of a full-time touring band was just like, whoa. I guess is, we're playing in March? Yeah, right? this is an undertaking. <laughs> we're going to be on the road all the time and be back like two, you know, like two months out of the year? Yeah. This is awesome. Right. You know, so uh, I actually was in grad school at the time. My, I was like first year of grad school and then I just dropped out. I was like, fuck See it. See you later. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And so I did. And the first tours HopeCon did was, you know, we're still building, you know, you, you start over. Yeah. And, but luckily at that time, you know, it wasn't as, um, I guess, how to say it now, uh, booking agent heavy. Sure. You were able to book your own tours with people, promoters that you still knew that knew your old bands and blah, blah, blah. And you can book a weekend, no problem. Sure. And have a good show. Right. Um, So that's how we we started doing it, you know? And then, um, and then uh, we just, it was interesting for that band because um, I think right away there was, there was like a buzz Mm -hmm. a little bit. And I think handling it the way I just was like psyched that anyone was paying attention. attention. Yeah. I remember the, um, I'll never forget. This is our first tour with Converge, and we played the showcase. It's a showcase, sure, in Corona. Yeah, and we played there, and it was like an awesome show. We had a great time, and I get done playing, and Adi Moran uh, comes up to me, and him and I had met years prior, but not didn't really know each other. Yeah, and he comes up to me after. He's like, "Dude, that was fucking awesome." Yeah, I'm like, "Thanks, man." He's like, "You guys remind me of my brother's band." Yeah, and I'm like, "Who's that?" And he's like, uh, "I'm broken." I'm like. You, what? what? <laughs> you just yeah. melted into a puddle? Yeah, because right? yeah. oh. that band had has influenced me more than any band in hardcore, probably. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, and so to hear that and Audie say that to me, I was like, "What?" <laughs> and then we played San Diego, and I met Rob again, and then now, like, we're, like they're like family. Yeah, like the three of us are really you know close. But it's like how the Hope Conspiracy bought me, uh, not brought, uh, brought me closer to a lot of people. Right, I never realized I would have. So it built a lot of friendships and a lot of networks, and and. Uh, it's the band that definitely like opened those doors up. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. But also, it was I was able to really harness 
um, a different playing style mm-hmm. and writing style with the guy. We just mashed. Clicked. Really, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's what I do like how you illustrated that. <clears throat> you didn't say it in these terms, but like the, um, <clears throat> the especially at that juncture of, of music and that time frame. The bands the you know you yes you could build anticipation or hype or whatever you want to call yeah, it yeah. but like it, it it has to be delivered like in spades you know where yeah. it's musically where yeah, it's just yeah. like you know a band whatever it's like you know, uh, kill switch engage when they came out with their demo everyone's just like jesus like this yeah. i can't even believe this and it's like you know same thing with the hokan demo where it's just like it needs to like people can be like check it out because of its x harvest or whatever but like it actually needs to deliver yeah. musically and, and then like that's what Hokan and you know Suicide File did where it was just like yeah like we're you know we're we're more confident now like as song it's, crafters but but for me too even though you're playing hardcore and it is it is a genre that's a lot of derivatives of other other bands of other influences stuff but for me it's always been you got to push the envelope you got to push it you know you got to do something different to to really stand out with the, all the other bands you know it's true and it's sort of a competition of I, mean, I mean I got I got competitive with it you know yep. where it's like. I got. I push myself to really. And I'm not like a fucking shredder. No, you know. You know I'm not. Like but a yeah, but you you, yeah. you recognize the fact that it's like yeah, you can just like simply recreate what you have before, and like that's fine. But there was that fire. That how, was, how can you push it to the next level? You yeah. Know, what can you do that no no one else is doing? You know. Sure. Um. And so I always rack with suicide files something where I was like, okay, how can we do this? And Jared and I like I remember Jared Alexander mm-hmm. was at school in Boston. And he's like, let's do like a skate punk band. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, skate punk band, let's do this. <laughs> right. You know, and he's from California, he's in Death by Stereo. I'm like, this it's is the dude, this is the dude that totally do a skate punk band with. Yep. We started writing and it just turned out to sound more like like kind of rock and rollish. All right. And I was like, oh, let's just do this. Let's rock explore and roll. this. Yeah. Yeah. And then so we wrote that re- that record on the demo and then the EP, and someone's like, Hey, have you check out this band, the Bronx? And I was like, Don't <laughs> you're like crap did, yeah, and then didn't... like and that we used to get it compared to them all the time because i think both our, both our records came out at the same time that's it's true just they had more promotion and more hype or whatever and we were more of like in this underground in the scene, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 um but then that kind of set the tone for okay now i gotta kick it even further you right know? and yeah these guys are like this or whatever but i want to um really push it and i try to do that with most of the stuff that i do yeah, yeah. and hope con was definitely the first man rosie but like really uh, spread we, your wings yeah, also because of the well it was well received mm-hmm. i can be like okay what i'm doing is sound is, is good yeah you yeah know, yeah, can, yeah. Can, you felt confident it. in yeah, presenting yeah. the product so exactly, to speak. exactly. but the uh, kind of on the, well i wouldn't say the flip side of it but you know you uh like clearly there was you know business with the band deciding record labels and yeah, you know yeah. getting offers and stuff like that you and correct me if i'm wrong you don't seem like you care about it, but you would rather not deal with it or you. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay. Um, yeah, you're very right. I'm the worst business person. <laughs> okay. Got okay, it. So that was always usually handled by someone else. Sure. And I just didn't know, even to this day, like someone's like, why don't you reach out to so-and-so? I'm just like, uh, well, I don't yeah. know if they like me anymore. Right. I don't know if they're going to like my stuff. You know, I'm very, very, um, <clears throat> reserved when it comes to that. Right. Right. And so it's really hard for me to do that. And people are like, why don't you advocate yourself? Why don't you like promote yeah. yourself? And I'm like the worst self promoter. <clears throat> Got it. Like, um, so that the, uh, you know, like tours or dealing with labels yeah, and stuff yeah. like that was always handled by someone else. Yeah. The music band. business. Yeah. You were just like, I mean, cause I like it how, I mean, cause everybody needs to fill a role in a yeah, band. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're sitting there being like, 
oh, I'm not a very good business person, but I'm going to like put my fingerprints all over this. And it's just like, well, no, like, how about you? And not like, how about you stay in your lane? But like, yeah. you know, if you want to dedicate yourself to like, you know, being a, an inventive guitar player, like do that, yeah. you know, it's like not everybody, you know, it's the too many chiefs and not enough Indians yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. like, you got to have, everybody has to work in tandem with one another. Yeah. Otherwise, so yeah. That was I was lucky enough that there was someone that filled that role in every band. Right. Otherwise, I don't think if it was just me, yeah. I don't know where where it would go. To be honest. Right. Right. Like, right. You, know, um, you would have put on a seven inch. Uh, yeah. Right, no, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I was like, uh, are we stopping a demo here? I mean, that's happening like right now. I'm like, I don't know who to reach out to. You know, with like projects I'm doing right now. Sure. You know? And it's just like. Well, I talked to that person like 15 years ago, or yeah. they were, I was working with them like 10 years ago, but now they're booking Drake. You know, I right. uh, can't do that. You know, <laughs> yeah, like literally like, shit yeah. like that. You yeah, know? like a little different level, right? Because right. You, you totally think of stuff where it's like, um, oh yeah, you know, it's like, it's like what we thought. You can talk to someone, you know, and just pick up five, you know, totally. whatever five years later. But now that five years later, that person's on a complete different level, of course, you know, and that happens a lot. <clears throat> and it's awesome. It's great. Totally. You know, yeah. People, professionally professional. speaking, it's just like, yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. I but can't. then like, you can't just be like, uh, Hey dude, you want to put up my demo? Yeah, or you want to yeah, put up yeah, my yeah, fully? Exactly. Yeah. You right. feel like an idiot, you know? <laughs> and I don't think that that's ripe for them. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, totally. You, you gotta know? pick, you gotta pick your spots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you're not going to hit up, you know, you have a friend who's an A&R at fucking Sony and be like, yo dude, I got this demo. Right. Check it out. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Raj. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did um, you know a, as you were you know involved in all of the you know touring and and the the grind that uh, happens with that? Did like did you ever feel like tour was overwhelming for you? Or you... yeah, a lot of times still. Okay, uh, I mean I love touring, <clears throat> um, but I was always the guy on tour that would just be like, uh, I think I'm gonna go home. <laughs> okay, you know you always felt that pull. Yeah, for me, uh, that the whole time in my life was really tumultuous mm-hmm. emotionally. Um, dealing with a lot of heartbreak, which it sounds cheesy, but you know, very, very um, serious relationships that I had had collapsed. Sure, and because you were gone. Uh, no, this is uh, well, well. I mean, prior I, to it, yeah. I mean, me moving <clears throat> to Boston was in plain hopes. It was literally directly a result of a relationship breaking up. Got it. I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of Chicago. Yeah, see These you guys later. Are my vehicle. Let's do this. Got know? it. Um, and that band was my therapy for the first year, hands right. down. Right. You know. Um, a lot of stuff I wrote for it, my, the way I would it, like, like play live, mm-hmm. you know, cause I was always someone who's like, I still have stage fright. I still get super nervous. Right. But once the music kicks in, it's like uh, no holds barred. It's over. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's where touring was always this kind of, I loved being on the road. I love playing sure. shows different rounds, but well, the, it's, it's, it sounds like to me that, I mean, like the, uh, you know, the <clears throat> time you were able to hang out with people and like have those relationships, those relational connections. Yeah. Like that's like that, that is life giving, but yeah. the other 18 hours in the day or whatever, that it's you're like, just like sitting around in a car thinking about, you know, the same <clears throat> thoughts over and over again, you know? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't until later where you, you realize that, um, you know, mental, th- th- there's thing mental illness is, is yeah, yeah. plays into some, some of this stuff, you know, for me, you know, where it's like, sure. Uh, and that's something that I don't really, you know, openly say, but it's like, uh, you don't realize it till till now, where it's like, oh man, if I would have got this help back then, right, it would have been a lot less. I I would have had like coping yeah, mechanisms yeah, and yeah, understood exactly. like instead of being like, I'm in Berlin, I'm freaking out, I'm gonna go home, right, you know, and, <laughs> and everyone's like, dude, oh, we dude. have like three weeks left, yeah, bro. He's like, no, no, you're okay. And the thing is, that I had awesome. I mean, the guys in Hope Street like my family, sure, you know. So it's like those who take care of me like nonstop, you right, know, still to this day, right, you know? and. If I didn't have that, if it was just like, oh, I'm in a band, 
that'd be one thing. But both the bands I've been in were like family. true family. True family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say Hopecon definitely more. Sure. Uh, <laughs> just because I spent a lot of time with them. Of course. And Suicide was such a flash in the pan. In it a totally. Way. It was such a quick period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Hopecon is still lingered to to now. You know, we're, yeah. we're still like you know. Um, friends and talking yeah. about maybe doing stuff you know yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but it's uh that that's how touring was for me you know? sure uh, sure but it was always there's i mean there's definitely times where i was like this is fucking great this is the best yeah, the first I, time suicide fall went over it was a blast sure you know um but you know i've always had this like let's do it let's go on tour and then when i get on a tour i'm just like uh, uh, is this is this what I want? You know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if I was yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly what but I said. I, I love for. it. I love it. And in the end, what happens is I'll have those like those ups and downs. Yep. And eventually, after like the first week, it's like, yeah, you know, you're off and running. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, two last things I want to hit on was the um, <clears throat> you have collab like you know you have no shortage of musical ideas like you have contributed in so many different fashions to so many different styles of music you know mm-hmm. from like everything you've done with you know the your recent projects you know the beginners and everything like that you know all, all the way back to you know extinction and everything yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's uh and see people seem to gravitate towards you and wanting to like work together and collaborate um i mean i hope <laughs> but i mean yeah. well i mean you, you the proof is in the work yeah. that you've done you know so is it like, and I, I know it's difficult to like reflect upon why people want to like work with you, but you know, I would imagine a lot of it has to do with the fact that like, you know, like, do you find yourself being like easy to work with or is it like people are just like, Oh, like Raj is really talented. So we'll deal with his assholeness. Uh, no. Uh, no, no, I think it's more though that I'm, I, I don't, I don't like to be, a con- I don't like confrontation. Sure. You know? And so I'm not someone who's going to be like, fuck that idea. sucks. <laughs> right. You know? Right. But I'll be like, Hey, how about we try something else? Or yeah, let's we twist this, this a different oh, yeah. way. Or here's this idea I have. Why don't you, you know, see what you can do with that? You know, right? I'll try to be diplomatic about it. You know, and I think in a for me, all the music and most of the musical settings I've been in, it's a group effort. Like Hokan is a hundred percent group effort. Right. You know, there's not one person writing a song. It is everybody writing a song. Got it. You know, and just because we're family, and that's how it should be. You know, mm-hmm. for for us, you know, sure. Suicide Files, same way. Most of us is like all of us writing the song. You know, right. It's not just one person. Here's the riff. Here's the drum part. Here's a, there you go. No, so that's because of working in that collaborative setting uh, with those bands. What, sure, you know, I think it's helped me with working. It sets genres. you up. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah that, like, no, that makes sense because yeah. yeah, you you see <clears throat> how you you how you can be successful in this sort of environment, and so like you know once you've done it once or twice to relative success, you can like attempt to duplicate it in other places. Yeah, and but not not in like a you know, manipulative, like, puppet master way. You're just like, this is how out of experience. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I'm not someone who's going to be, like, shut down someone's idea. Or if they're yeah. like, hey, I got this idea already. It's ready to go. We just need you to kind of, kind of sprinkle some, right. some, you know. Yeah, some pixie stuff. dust. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool, totally, awesome. And yeah. that's what I've done with, uh, with you know, so, certain other projects. Where like, hey, this, we're working on, I'm working with this with a producer. I got this stuff going. Mm-hmm. Can you just come in and lay down a track? Right, right. Totally cool. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to have any sort of like yeah. master stake in it. Right, right, right. Some ego gratification or whatever. Um, the uh, the the idea that um, you know you've you've existed in this subculture for a long time and you you know you've watched it ebb and flow and like you, like you said you know you're you're teaching and. You've been able to. Not anymore. Actually. I know, not yeah. not anymore. I know. You, I know you taught for many yeah. years, um, and so you know, I guess like why you know because you're 
you know, like we've been saying, like you, you're, you're an adult now, like yeah. you've been an adult for a long time. Like, um, I guess what keeps you engaged and like caring about it? Cause I know a lot, like it is work when you get to a certain age yeah. to like still yeah, yeah. stay engaged. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, to some extent, I would say I'm not engaged. Okay. In some way, in some ways. Sure. You know? Um, but in some ways I do because I still like want to check out, I'll still volunteer, try to check out a new band, you know, of course that someone tells me about, right. You know, not somebody, but I'm not going out and searching for it or X band put out this record. Everyone's like, you know, yelling, screaming about how awesome it is. I'll be like, I'll I'll dip in. I'll dip in and I'll hear it. And I don't think I give it enough of a chance to be honest. Sure. Um, but I will say so like, uh, because, of playing with Jeremy mm-hmm. and Hesitation Wounds, he's kind of my conduit now to like, oh, hey, this band or that band. Because every time we were together, if we pl- were playing shows or whatever, or right. like in the in the writing writing uh, songs, I'll get my kind of yeah, yeah, know, yeah. New, new bands, new stuff, what's going sure. on in subculture from him or some other younger you know people that I might know. But you know, once in a while, you'll see like, oh, Deathwish put out this band, you know, sure. that band, you know, like, oh, but you, but you out. still, but I mean, like to your point of, of what you're saying, like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the level of engagement, but like, but you still care. And I think that like, that, oh yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm always going to care about it. Okay. You know? There's no way that I can be like, oh fuck, hardcore, stupid. <laughs> Turn that there's, off. There's some people that, that do that. And they do. They, and they were like part of the scene pretty ridiculous, you know, pretty heavily. And then I was like, no, it's just, that's why I did that when I was a kid. Yeah. It's like. You know, that that define that still I don't want it's not the only thing that defines me, but it's a big part of my character. Sure. You know, even straight edge, you know? Yep. It's like I'm not straight edge anymore, but it is a big, big part of who I am. Right. You know? And it's like so me being like, oh straight edge was when I was a kid. Fuck no. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was something that I was straight edge for a long, long time until well yep. into my, you know, adulthood, you know? Sure. Um, and it's something that I still cherish. Right. You know, um and same with hardcore. It's like something that no matter what I can throw on a fucking Bad Brains record and it's going to make me feel awesome. <laughs> right, you're you still going to feel that feeling. Yeah, yeah, you're still going to feel that. Like, I'll put on, like, you know, Unbroken Absentee Debate, and I'm just like, fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, just punch this holes through walls. still gets me. Yeah, know? yeah. And there's still bands that do that. And that that kind of, it doesn't happen with other genres. I mean, you still like, oh, my God. I mean, I'm a huge Morrissey fan. Not now, because he's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but, um where you like listen to a band, you're like, this is awesome, mm-hmm. but not like it is when you listen to some hardcore bands. Like yeah. when I, uh, one band that I'll still put on some, once in a while, like every like couple years, and the first song, um, 108. Oh, yeah, sure. The first song on uh, Songs of Separation. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That song kills me. Totally. You know, and it's like, yeah, it was like from the 90s, and yeah. give me shit. It's like, oh, you're still stuck in the 90s. I'm like, there's, that's the era that I was. Yeah, that I grew up and it's, in, and know? it's still powerful. It's still visceral. Like yeah. there's, there's, it's like you're so stuck back in the '90s. You know, '90s hardcore. I mean, it has this like negative impression of '90s hardcore. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, yeah, there were some bands, was like whatever. But it was a time where yeah, a lot of these bands were figuring out who they were musically, what was going totally. on, you know. And there's a lot of politics involved, you know? mm-hmm. and you know, some of it was good, some of it whatever, you know. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Certain bands, you're just like, and that kind of brings me back to the point where it's like. I'll still always be a hardcore kid. Yeah. I'm playing the music, you know, for other bands that I might be doing. I was like, I want to be in a fucking heavy band right now. Right. And you don't get the same satisfaction no. in any other music, you know? I mean, yeah. you're like, oh man, this song is really good. It's awesome. Produced great. It's right. recorded awesome. But just being a raw, fucking fast, heavy hardcore band. Yeah. 
It's good. And I think the last band I heard of that was really like caught me was that band Gloss. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, who is this band? Totally. They are fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You they know? are raging. Yeah, I got yeah, yeah. that urgency, that urgent energy, you know. And totally. seeing that, you know, you can still, you know. Yeah, you if can there, if there's bands like that, you can I'm in. exactly. You're just like, okay, like this is not, yeah. This is not dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, not exactly. dead and buried, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd still definitely uh would like to stay connected as much as I can. Yeah, exactly. Know, and, and try to you know, obviously, I'm not like you said. It's you know, with regular life or real life, I'm not going to every show or trying no, to. You know, no, 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 no. Like, hey, you should come out to the show. Check this band out. You know, I'll try to go out and sure. do what I can. You know, right? To yeah. Support these bands that are. Yeah, know, doing I, the damn I was thing. there. Yeah, exactly. You know, I yeah. was in their shoes. There's the, there's the common experience there. We're just like, yes, I recognize you're playing a venue. Yeah. And I've I've you know yeah. not played that venue, but I played many like it yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a little different now. I think there's a lot more um, the model of the corporate. Sure. There's a blueprint. Yes. That blueprint has been brought into the underground as exactly. opposed to the blueprint that I grew up with. Totally. You know, when you had a phone dialer and you had, you know, yeah, you're you know, figuring it out, right. You're figuring it out, you know, and there wasn't such a team behind each band. Exactly. You know, that's the, I guess that would be it, you know. Yeah. Uh, that blueprint has changed a little bit. Right. It's, with, the, it's the evolution of it now, which is like, okay, yeah. like there are bands can carve out their own different lanes because it's built off the shoulders of, you know, all the other bands that, existed previously in the way that both of our bands have done the same thing from the bands that existed yeah. before us. But like, you know, now there's, I think the shift that I always reflect on is where it's just like, you know, that whatever early two thousands where it was like the, the notion of being able to tour full time. I was just going to say this exact same thing because it's like, I mean, honestly, before that you could look at bands like, you know, Snapcase, earth crisis and all that stuff. And you, these, they, they existed in this somewhat full time yeah, endeavor, yeah, yeah. but like not to the extent of where it was like, honestly, it wasn't until like, Hate Breed and Poison the Well, the ones that I always point to where it's just like those thi- those bands then, you know, sort of jumped into the yeah. as mainstream of, of whatever that meant yeah. at the time. I, I mean, you're right. I think uh, I always like to because my frame of reference <clears throat> is Hope Conspiracy. Yeah. So when Hope Conspiracy stopped, I actually wasn't in the band at the time. Right. Um, but that is where I see as the bands are just under us, like yep. the four year you know gap under us. Totally. They were the ones who were able to start making uh, this type of music a career. Yeah, you know, we were, I think, the last cusp of it. Sure, you know, um, there was the yeah, the seeds had been planted. Yeah. But then you have the converge, which is the anomaly to every. Of course, scenario. yeah, yeah. You're always going to have yeah. one you're, yeah. one generational band that's yeah. just always going to be like, oh, yeah. like they're and they're just always gonna... evolving. They're always getting new fans, and they're fucking they kill it every time. You totally, know? So totally. Like, um, but yeah, that's that's where I see you know where it's like you see that a lot more. You know, it's like, oh, we got a publicist, or we got this, we yeah, got this yeah, person, yeah. that person, and it's great that there's this hype machine. Be- or yeah, there's, a, like there's an ecosystem. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. That. As opposed to when we were putting out bands, <laughs> playing bands, like, yeah, what? You guys are stuck in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. Fuck, well, go figure it out. Sorry, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah you, know. you left your own devices. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or uh, yeah, you guys got Max and Rock and Roll is what you got. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's we got. Yeah, that's it, man. We got we got a three sentence review in <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, and it was yeah. awesome. Well, we're gonna move at least yeah. 107 inches yeah. based off that. They thought that we sounded too corporate. Awesome. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> too slick. Totally get it. We got yeah. a barcode. Barcode. Yeah, yeah. Not happening. Not happening. Well, Naraj, thank you very much. I'm always yeah. going to pronounce your name, Naraj. I'm that's sorry. Fine, but that's that's As we had our discussion prior. <laughs> exactly. But thank you for doing this, dude. This was super fun. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Ooh.
Boomia. Boomia? Booyah. Uh, a few things. Naraj, thank you very much for appearing on the show. I had a great time, and thank you very much for coming over to my house. I always love to do these in face-to-face fashion, because uh, sometimes that just yields uh, better conversations. Um, next week is a non-face-to-face conversation, but a great conversation with Matt Coplin. He was the vocalist for band, the band Reversal of Man, and now he is a very well-known BMX dude in the industry. And um, yeah, I just was very excited that he was excited about coming on the show. He was actually like, I'm nervous. And I was like, oh, you don't need to be nervous. It's cool, man. And uh, it was a great, great conversation. So that's what I got. Well, please be safe. July 4th, all that fun stuff. And hopefully maybe you're vacationing yourself as well. And you're listening to this on some, you know, remote Island somewhere. I don't know, but I'm on a remote. Well, not remote. I'm on an Island. (laughs) Anyways, be safe. And I'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw podcast network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.